Welcome to the Nathan Crane Podcast. Nathan is a certified holistic cancer coach, 20-time award-winning documentary filmmaker, competitive CrossFit athlete, and best-selling author of Becoming Cancer-Free. With nearly two decades in independent natural health research and education, Nathan shares his top solutions for preventing and overcoming disease while optimizing health and improving human performance. Each week, Nathan brings on highly renowned experts to share natural and holistic health science, strategies, and breakthroughs for living your healthiest, happiest, and most fulfilling life. And now, here's Nathan Crane. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today, I have a fifth-generation Texan, James Templeton, here with us. He is a stage four cancer survivor, someone I call a, a cancer conqueror. He's got over 35 years as a cancer survivor. Uh, he healed himself. Uh, he was given a terminal diagnosis and uh, he used natural medicine to heal himself. So I'm really excited to dive into his story and everything he's done. He also is the founder of Unikey Health Systems and the Templeton Wellness Foundation. He basically has taken uh, his experience over the years and has uh, turned it into helping others achieve their optimum health and wellness. So you may have heard of his book. If not, you can check it out. I used to have cancer. I used to have cancer.com. It's also on Amazon. But yeah, I'm excited to get to get to know you more, James, and hear more about your story and what you did to heal yourself of cancer and, and kind of get into the details of it. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. Thank you, Nathan. It's great to meet you here on Zoom today and to get to share my story with, with you and your listeners. You were diagnosed with stage four melanoma, is that right? Right. That's like the deadliest form of skin cancer. Yes. Um, it is you know, generally a terminal, can be a terminal diagnosis. Uh, yes. It, it yes. was for you, right? Well, it was uh, one of those kind of things where the the melanoma had spread to my lymphatic system. Yeah. So when that happens, it's sort of like not necessarily a total death sentence, but it's kind of like you got it. What they told me, you got a uh, three to five years to survive if you do the chemotherapy treatments they wanted me to do. Now, that didn't mean anything if I didn't do the chemotherapy treatments uh you know not too good you know like they they don't like to say but i kind of got the drift that it was probably a year or so probably most likely and if you did nothing yeah it could be a and, year if you did chemotherapy radiation your odds yeah. of surviving three to five years were really really low right and the thing about it was was he says if you can get through the chemotherapy treatments so they wanted me to do 80 chemotherapy treatments and this was after I did surgery and, uh, you know, and I, I woke up and, uh, and the doctor starts to tell me, you know, what's, what I had to look forward to going forward. So, you know, after that, I just kind of like, well, you know, what, you know, I don't know. I got to find something else. There's got to be something else I can do. And, you know, you're laying there and you're feeling pretty, pretty, uh, hopeless and everything else at, at that point. But, but it it was interesting journey the whole journey. Where was the cancer at on your body? If you don't mind sharing, I'm just curious. The cancer originally was on my lower right back, down on you know kind of an area where you don't really see much. It was a mole, and uh, I went to a uh, 
doctor to get it checked out because I'd been to a doctor to get a uh, one of these uh, cardio heart scans, kind of a stress test, because, you know, my father and grandfather both had died of, of heart disease at a young age. So I'm thinking I need to go get checked out. I was a runner and I was doing all this stuff and I thought I was in good health, but I I wanted to get checked out because, you know, I didn't want to be the next one. And so that's how I found that the mole and the doctor says, you're, you're in tremendous shape and all that. But he says to me, he says, look, there's a mole on your back. looks a little different. Why don't you get it checked out? It's probably nothing. I wouldn't worry about it. And he says to me, he says, uh, you know, just when you get a chance, go get it checked out by a dermatologist. So that's what happened. And 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 long story short, I ended up in another uh, oncologist's office because uh, the second dermatologist I went to told me he would go to this guy, and I went to him, and and he removed it in his office, took a big plug out of my back, but it was on the lower right side of my back, and it was just a mole that had uh was had changed a lot it was like had some you know dark and lighter shades in it and and uh that's usually a good sign of cancer yeah yeah it was just different looking and i never you know you, you see you know i had a few moles on my back and i never thought anything about it but uh but anyway I, everybody should really kind of keep an eye on those kind of things yeah people are going to run to the doctor now for every little yeah. mole you don't have to worry about every little mole but if it like you said if it's growing yeah yeah if, it, if it's starting to change colors darken you know sometimes it gets yeah. kind of um raised up or you know if, if it's just a red yeah. mole and it doesn't seem to be changing much generally you have nothing to worry about but in your case no. it obviously yeah. was was cancer yeah yeah and i and you know as sometimes they're in the places to where you can't barely can see it you know yeah. in the mirror even and, and you can't even hardly touch it back there because it's hard so you don't think anything and but i had noticed i had started to feel tireder and uh you know like i said i was a runner so i ran quite a bit and i'd push myself and i was living in texas and it was hot and a lot of the year and you know you're running and i just felt like i wasn't recovering very quickly anymore and i was tired a lot and and I, I just had to push harder and harder. And I thought, you know, why is this? And I didn't feel as good. I felt kind of slight flu-like a lot. And, you know, came down with a lot of stuff with sinus issues and colds and flus. Kind of all of a sudden, I started to get all that. So evidently... How old were you? I was 32 years old. And evidently, um, you know, my immune system was really suppressed. Yeah. Dr. Thomas Lodi, a good friend of mine, he said it famously in my documentary many years ago. He said, uh, you know, there is a cure for cancer. It's mm -hmm. called the immune system. When you have a fully yeah. functioning immune system, you, you don't have to worry about a cancer diagnosis. And, you know, it's kind of a, it's a powerful thing that he said, but there's so much truth underlying that when oh, you yeah. really understand the immune system's function and what the immune system does and, you know, its, it's role in not only uh, fighting off pathogens and viruses and bacteria, but literally identifying, targeting, and destroying cancer cells. That's what our yeah. immune system does. And and when the immune system's inhibited by a lot of things we can talk about, and I'm sure you've discovered many of those things. I want to get into that, you know, over the years yeah. that, that you yeah. realize we're inhibiting your immune system, stress, toxins, lack of sleep, 
overexertion, a lot of different things can inhibit the immune system. Yeah. And it's not able to fully do its job. It's fighting off this pathogen and this virus and chronic inflammation mm-hmm. over here. And it's trying to fight off the cancer that's been taken over in the terrain that we created in the body to allow the cancer. And it's just like, like you said, all of a sudden, and that's the interesting thing for people to realize, you know, I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of interviews over the years and talked to so many people uh, who, who have cancer or who've overcome cancer. And a very common thing is cancer has really very few symptoms that you can identify, oh, this is cancer. You know, yeah. I mean, if it's a tumor that's blocking your colon, you may have some some serious pain there. Sure. Um, you know, you may, like you said, some some lethargy or fatigue or lack of of clarity, you know, especially if you have a glioblastoma in the brain or it may start causing neurological Right. But as you Headaches, said, things like that. Yeah, there's no real common symptomology for cancer specifically. But in your case, you notice you were getting sicker more often with, with flus and bugs and things like that. Sinus and, problems. I didn't feel right, but I thought, well, I'm 30 now. I guess when you're 30, you don't feel as well. <laughs> That's, <how I> thought. <laughs> That's what you thought. <laughs> I wasn't really I'm getting old touch. now. I'm getting old. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't in touch really. And, you know, and I was eating a pretty much a vegetarian diet back then because I thought that was the right thing to do. You know, I was eating, you know, salads most of the time with as much vegetables and everything I could put on there. But I did that for about seven years because I wanted to keep my weight down, you know, Mm -hmm. and be able to run faster. And I was running probably about 60 miles a week on the average. And just basically just because I thought it was good for me. And, you know, and I ran in some of these, races and local races and things like that but you know I wasn't like a super athlete but you know I I was I did did okay but the thing is is that I just thought I was just burning myself out a little bit and needed to just train harder I mean that's that's you know how I thought back then and I didn't know anything about alternative health or or natural health or uh supplements or anything like that back then and of course this has been 37 years ago uh, this, this year. And so back then, I mean, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have the things we have now. So anything you learn about, it's usually through word of mouth or, or, you know, maybe a doctor told you uh, this friend of his told you, told him this and that, that's kind of how I learned things. Yeah. You get the mole removed. Did you know it was cancer at that time yet or no? I didn't know because the doctor says, well, he says, let's just check it out, see what it is. So he he removed it. He says, I'll give you a call in a few days. And he said, go on home. Don't worry about it. Well, I was worrying about it because already I'd been told by a dermatologist that I, that he thought I had melanoma. Well, after, after getting it removed, you know, I was going to go home and wait and see. And, of course, you're pacing the floor. This is the hardest time because you're walking around in circles, you're not sleeping very well, you're worried about, you know, what, what's going to happen with it. And then it was about two, two weeks or more before he calls me. And the doctor says, James, he says, this is Dr. So-and-so. And and he says, look, I got some good news and some bad news. And I mean, it just, I thought, oh my gosh, what's that mean? He says, the good news is you have melanoma. And That's I thought, good news. I mean, he goes, yeah, it doesn't sound good, but but it's good because we think we got it all in the perimeter area of this in, this incision that they did and this this sample they took out. 
He says, we've got it all, and we don't see any signs of the cancer around the perimeter areas. But he said, the bad news is it's very deep. And he says, on uh, the Clark scales, what they called it, Clark scales, a scale of measurement for melanomas, he said it's very deep, and it's a stage four. And stage four means it's probably going to spread to other parts of your body. Right. And we got to really keep a good eye on this because if we yeah. don't, you know, we're going to have have a real problem here. So you need to come in every three months and get checked out. Well, I mean, you know, he said, go ahead and don't worry. Live your life. There's nothing you can do. But when someone tells you you have stage four melanoma that and at that point, I didn't know what that really meant other than it wasn't good. And and uh, so I started to dig around and talk to people and found out that that from uh, an old doctor friend that I would be lucky if I lived three years with a, with a melanoma like that. And, you know, here I am 32 years old. I thought I had life by the tail. I was a successful businessman, had several businesses back then, different than what I have these this day. But it was uh, something I had been working really hard to, to do. And I thought things were going great. And now, you know, the bottom kind of fell out on me. So, yeah, it's it's a scary situation. And for anybody that goes through this, you know, those those three words, you have cancer. You know, it's scary. Yeah, I uh, in talking with. Hey, I just want to take a quick second and thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you're enjoying it so far. As a special thank you for tuning into this episode, I want to give you my number one Amazon best-selling book absolutely free. You can go download it right now at becomingcancerfree.com. If you want to learn evidence-based strategies for helping your body become a cancer-fighting machine for not only cancer reversal but cancer prevention, go grab a copy of the book. Again, I'm just giving it to you for free. You can go download it at becomingcancerfree.com. All right, let's get back to the show. A lot of people who've been told you have cancer, it's the fear that takes over from what yeah. from what people say is it's it's like so shocking and sends you into kind of a tunnel vision kind of yeah. a, I mean a lot of people explain it like uh just all they hear the doctor saying wah, 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 after that point, right? It's just this such a shock. And unfortunately, when we're in such a state of shock and fear, um that is a terrible place to make a decision from. And yet more often than not, the patient is rushed into treatments that they know nothing about. Hey, we got to do right. this right now. We do chemotherapy, yeah. radiation surgery right now. We'll get your book for next week. This is, you know, it's, it's really important. Let's do this. And out of fear and shock and lack of education, most people just say, yes, okay. Instead of looking at the whole picture, all the options, you know, uh, do I want to go holistic approach or natural approach? Do I want to do a mm -hmm. functional approach or an integrative approach? Not even realizing that those are options. Um, yeah. They're often just rushed into treatment. And we know certain types of cancers, chemotherapy and radiation are terrible for, um, you know, yeah. certain colon cancers. I mean, you're, you're better off doing nothing than doing chemotherapy and radiation. Uh, you know, certain, uh, you know, uh, testicular cancer that does pretty well with chemotherapy. I think it's like a 50% five-year survival rate. But when you look at the statistics that were done, the biggest statistics for uh, chemotherapy against the 22 major malignancies, 
22 mm-hmm. major cancers that was looked at from the USA and Australia, a couple hundred thousand people. They found that when grouped together, chemotherapy only improved the five-year survival rate by 2.3%. Yeah. Yeah, it's not so, much. So, you know, some cancers did better. Others did significantly worse. Some cancers have a 0% five-year survival rate with mm-hmm. chemotherapy radiation, and the chemotherapy destroys your immune system and opens you up for additional diseases to come in, and it doesn't kill the cancer stem cells. The cancer stem cells are floating around, and the circulating tumor cells are floating around the bloodstream waiting and looking for opportunity to sprout new tumors. So this is information that most doctors don't even know. And the ones who do, they should be telling this to their patients and say, hey, look, let's look at what all your options are, right? Mm -hmm. This is the code of ethics for doctors. You should know what all your options are and present them to your patient, but they don't because the doctors are not even trained on this in uh, conventional medical school. They're not. I've talked to hundreds of doctors in the last 15 years, literally hundreds and they are not trained on this in conventional medical school. So they yeah. can't give their patients all their options, right? And so your doctor said, hey, we got your chemotherapy. Uh, and what, what prevented you from saying yes to that? What was, what was it inside of you? Like what, and what did you do next at that point? Well, here I, here I had to go back to the doctor every three months. And meanwhile, I am, you know, just totally a different person. I had, before that had been kind of the life of the party, the guy that, is wants to have a lot of fun and do things and stay active and and uh and you know very ambitious at that time and and uh, you know I had several businesses that were doing well and I I just you know could see the future as being you know uh huge for me financially and you know at that point that was very important to me and and I, I kind of went through some ups and downs growing up, a lot of death in my family, but, and I didn't care for a long time. But then eventually I started to, you know, see things a little differently and got into having my own business and, and things were going good. But so I went to get checked out every three months and he would look at my lymph nodes, feel my lymph nodes and check. That's basically all they do is they go, well, how are you feeling? Da, da, da. You know, they feel under your arms, feel in your groin area, feel in your, you know, just all over, palpitate everything, you know, and just say, well, everything looks good. Let's, we'll see you in three months. Let's keep our fingers crossed. So you go back and uh, all this time, like I said, I, I just wasn't the same guy. I wasn't easy to be around. I was stressed out over this thing. Some people don't seem to do pretty well with this kind of a diagnosis. I didn't do very well with it. Uh, I guess it was just, you know, why did this happen to me? You know, kind of thing. I'm a good person. <laughs> you go through that yeah. feeling sorry for yourself. And, and I had a, had a little girl that wasn't even two years old and, you know, it was just, everything was great. And now, now all this is happening to me. And so one day my wife says, you know, I don't want to be with married again. I mean, married to you anymore. And uh, she says, you know, I'm leaving. And uh, she left, took my little girl into town. We lived out on a farm. And uh, we just, uh, you know, everything just went really south on me. So after that, I didn't really care for a little bit whether I lived or died. You know, I kind of went through that kind of thing. Probably a lot of depression and everything. But 
a friend of mine says, look, you know, why don't you come work with us? You need to get away. You know, that's not you. Uh, you've had businesses. You need to come work with us. He had a business with some, a couple of partners, and they were looking for someone to do some work in Dallas for them. And uh, I I thought it might be a good opportunity. I was doing okay. You know, here I have cancer, or maybe the cancer never would come back. I didn't know at this point. But so I decided to move to Dallas, and I moved to Dallas, started working with them, and I thought everything would you know, get my mind off of it, everything would just go away. But after a few months of working with these guys, things were going really good. But uh, I noticed a, a, a lump in my growing, and it was like a large marble. And I was taking a shower, and I went, oh, my God, where'd this come from? Because I was always feeling around. You know, the doctor did it, I'd do it. So I'm feeling around, I call the doctor up, and he says, well... It's probably nothing to it. He said, you might have bumped yourself or irritated the limp node or something. He said, don't worry about it. Just, you know, come in and, you know, another couple of months or whatever it had been since I'd seen him. And uh, it just kept getting bigger. And it was like a size of a golf ball now. Mm. And I said to the doctor, I said, look, you know, this thing's getting bigger. And he says, well, why don't you come on down to Houston and that's where I had been living, down north of Houston. You come on down to Houston, and uh, we'll look at it. So I go down there, and the doctor says, well, I think we need to remove this and see what it is. He says, probably nothing. It's probably just, I don't know, but let's just get you in the morning, first thing in the morning. <laughs> this is the most optimistic doctor in the world. <laughs> probably nothing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he came across as a nice guy and everything. So he says, come back in the morning. He says, we'll just remove it. And it'll probably be a little incision, won't be anything to it. And so here I am. I'm worried to death. Now I got to go go see what it is. Nobody wants to know what it is sometimes. So I'm sitting there in the hospital after after the surgery uh, in my recovery bed or laying there. He comes through the door and he says, James, I'm sorry to tell you that the cancer spread. It's in your lymphatic system. He said, we removed all your major lymph nodes in your right groin. He says, now we're going to have to keep a good eye because it's probably going to spread to the other side. He said, and maybe other areas of the body. He says, we got to really keep an eye on this. But he says, I don't know what else to do other than do 80 chemotherapy treatments. He said, let's do 80 chemotherapy. He says, experimental chemotherapy. And I like I didn't know anything about it, but I said, 80, that sounds like a lot. He says, we'll get you in the hospital after you recover from the surgery. And he says, why don't you just stay in the hospital for the next probably three weeks, and we'll just have you recover enough to where you can do the uh, uh, chemotherapy. And he says, you know, we'll elevate your temperature. We'll do hypothermia, which was kind of new back then. We'll elevate it as high as we can. And then what we'll do is high as you can, we'll make you good and sick, it's basically, and make you feel like you're freezing to death. We'll elevate you, then we'll give you an IV of typhoid serum, you know, first to elevate your temperature. Then we're going to follow that up with, with uh, chemotherapy. And he says it's going to take eight to 10 hours each day, and you'll be, in, you know, in the hospital bed and we'll have IVs in you. He says, then, then the next day, you'll do another treatment. He said, we'll do five treatments. 
at a time because it takes you it'll take you two months to recover from the five treatments. He says it's, it's it's rough stuff and it's you know it's very uh, exhausting and and a lot of people go through kind of an awakening period. So I'm laying there and I'm like, oh my God, so I got to do something. This is awful. So the doctor's there and he says, also, you need to do a limp drainage pump because your limp is your leg swelling up. Now we got to get that down and you got to do that for several hours a day for who knows how many years. And he said, because you don't have any limp nodes over there and we don't want you to end up losing your leg. So I'm like, oh, my God, we don't want you to have lymphedema. And then it just, you know, we got to remove your leg. So I have to go through that now. And then he says to me, he says, but uh, we didn't want to tell me this. But I said, doctor, what are my chances here? You know, what do you think? And he says, well, from my experience, he said, you got a 20 percent chance of surviving three to five years. Mm. And he says, not very good chance at all if you don't do the chemotherapy like we talked about earlier. So I'm like, oh, my God, I got to do something. You know, what the heck am I going to do? This isn't good. I'm 32 years old, and here I am like this. So I'm laying there, and I'm thinking, you know, something's got to give. I got to find something. There's got to be a better way. And I'm just really stressed out there. And so I kind of been started thinking about this for a few days and feeling bad and sorry for myself, as as usual. And uh, people were coming in the hospital to see me and all that. And, and uh, you know, I was on morphine because I was in a lot of pain and, you know, from the surgery mostly. And, you know, it's just was they ripped me open and it was very painful. And I'm laying there and I'm like, what am I going to do? You know, I kept saying this to myself and uh, I was laying there one day and I got a phone. It just, the phone rang phone call. And it was a minister at a church I went to from time to time. He calls me up and he says, James, this is Ron. Ron was the, the minister's name. He says, uh, I heard you were in here. He says, uh, I just want you to know I've been praying for you. And many people have been praying for you that in town and at the church and everything. We lived in a small town. He yeah. says, if anybody can beat this cancer, you can. I want you to know that. And he says, you're, you're a tough guy. You run. He was a runner. This guy played professional baseball, was retired. He says, you can push yourself. You know how to push yourself. He says, you're the guy that can do it. You know. And he says, I want you to not give up. He says, you know, you beat this SOB in cancer, you know, and he didn't say it like that, but he said it. And it got my attention because I never heard the guy talk like that. And he, and I and I just like raised up and I said, I got to do something. I really got to do something. He's right. Hey, I just want to pause a second and ask you, are you enjoying this episode so far? Are you getting good value from this content? If so, then I know you're going to absolutely love healing Life At HealingLife.net, you get exclusive and premier access to hundreds of the top world's doctors, experts, cancer conquerors, and survivors, exclusive interviews that I have done with all these experts and doctors uh, that are not available for free online. They're only available at HealingLife.net. So not only do you get access to all of those, but you actually get to speak with these doctors and experts 
and ask them any question you want about health and healing. And this is available exclusively to Healing Life members. You can try it out for free. Go to healinglife.net and you can start your free trial there. And uh, whether you're interested in learning more about detox or cancer, diet and nutrition and nutritional science, about diabetes, about heart disease, autoimmune disease, anti-aging, longevity, all of these topics are covered in depth and more are continuing to be added at Healing Life. And again, you get to talk to these doctors yourself. So I invite you to set up a free trial at healinglife.net, and I hope to see you over there. Now, let's get back to the show. So what was I going to do next? I didn't know, but then I started to pray. I started to pray to God. I wasn't a guy that was real religious. I didn't pray a lot or anything, but I started to pray to God. I said, I've got to get some help. God, you got to help me. You know, uh, I'm really down and out here. I'm miserable. I, I'm i probably not going to live much longer. Uh, you got to help me find an answer. I got to find an answer. And I kept feeling like my whole body was involved in this prayer, like every cell in my body was involved in this prayer. Wow. And I just, I never had that kind of feeling. It felt like I was just, you know, not in not in the, the world I'd been in for a few minutes there. And I prayed, and when I woke up from that prayer, I kind of, you know, started to feel this this calmness over me, I guess you could say. Like, you're not alone. You know, I'm not all alone with this. And, you know, my, my wife had left me, and here I felt like, you know, that that I was alone with all this. But then I, then about 20 minutes after that, and I got a knock on the hospital door and a friend of mine, a really good friend from college came through the door and I hadn't seen him in seven years. He walks through the door and he's waving these papers in his hand. And he said, James, he says, I heard about you, you know, through some of our old friends and that uh, I felt so bad for you. And, and, and uh, I wanted to come visit you. And he says, I was driving around the area. This was in Houston, around the uh, hospital district down there. He said, I'm driving around the area and I wanted to come see you. But, you know, I didn't know if I should, if I, if it was the right thing to do, because I wanted to share something with you. And he says, but something inside of me told me, just get in there, quit him hauling around, just go in there and see James. So he came in. Here I am. And I said, what do you got in your hand there? And he says, well, a friend of a friend of mine at work gave me this this uh, article, and it's actually a book review, and it's about a guy that healed himself of cancer using a diet and lifestyle. And I said, I'm going to do that. He goes, mm. but you don't even know what it is. I said, I don't care what it is. I'm going to do what it, what you have in your hand. Let me see it. I started to read it, and it was about a guy – his name was Dirk Benedict, and Dirk Benedict was an actor that was on TV, and he was on a team called the A Team. And Dirk Benedict was uh, had had what he thought at the time uh, was prostate cancer. He had all the symptoms and all the stuff going on, but he didn't want to do you know he didn't want to have his prostate removed. And he was a young guy, and he was a, a very popular actor on TV. And the thing is, is he found out about the macrobiotic diet, 
Well, I didn't know what that was at the time. And he talked about it in this article about how he ate this macrobiotic diet and he and used the uh the macrobiotic lifestyle to heal himself. And you know, so I thought, well, if it if it'll work for Dirk, it'll work for me. So I had my friend go out and find his book. It was Confessions of a Kamikaze Cowboy. And it was uh, about a guy that grew up in Montana. And uh, he grew up in uh, central Montana, uh, north of Bozeman, where you're from. Yeah. Further north, but it's up in, uh, it's like, if you go to Great Falls and just cut across, like you're going to Billings, it's right up in the middle, about right over, kind of right up above Bozeman, kind of, or Livingston up. Probably an hour and a half, two-hour drive up north. Anyway, he's from there, and I thought, well, I relate to him because here I had a little farm in Texas. He grew up on a ranch, so I felt like he was sort of like a cowboy, you know, but an actor now, and he had that kind of mentality. And I kind of had that same mentality that, hey, if it'll work for this one, it'll work for me, and I'll, you know, I'll get down on all fours and knock heads. So all of a sudden now I got all this energy, you know, all this this lack of hope, and feeling sorry for myself went out the window and now I've got some hope because, you know, I found something I thought was really, really something that I was going to do. And I was, so the, my friend went out and got that book. He found it. He came back that evening and gave it to me and I got to reading it. And it just, I just said, this guy is, 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 you know, basically my savior, you know, he brought this book to me and now I'm going to do this program. And, you know, he came out of out of nowhere to bring this article to me. But after that prayer and after that minister called me. So here I am. And I think it's meant to be here. Something's going on. So I'm very excited. And uh, I read the book and stayed up. I don't care how messed up I was and how I felt on the morphine. I all that. Went, I just started really getting into it. And the next morning, I got another knock on the hospital door. And here comes my stepmother that basically raised me. Uh, my real mother died before I was two. And uh, and then my stepmother raised me from the age of four and a half on up. And she came in the door and she had a book. And it was about vitamin C and cancer. Now, the book was written by Linus Pauling and Ewan Cameron. And Linus Pauling, you know, I didn't know who Linus Pauling was. Linus Pauling, you know, has won two Nobel Prizes and was a famous guy, but I didn't know who he was. But he talked about in the book about people that had uh, taken a lot of vitamin C that were terminal, did very well on the vitamin C. And then a lot of them stayed around as long as they took the vitamin C. And when they stopped the vitamin C, they would a lot of them passed away. And they were like people on their last leg. And and it talked about how vitamin C could really save people's lives and all that with cancer. Well, I said, well, if vitamin C will help those people, you know, the ones that stayed with it and kept taking it, I'll do that, too. I'll do vitamin C. I'll do high dose vitamin C. And uh, I didn't know anything about it. But uh, uh, White Sulphur Springs is the town. Ah, okay. Why Silver Spring? I think I've been through there. Yeah. Yeah. Matt uh, it, just brought it up here. That's what nice. I was trying to remember. But so the thing anyway. about vitamin C that's interesting for people who don't know, you know, our body with vitamin C, our body produces hydrogen peroxide. We make hydrogen peroxide naturally in our body. Vitamin C is one of the mm -hmm. 
uh, one of the catalysts for natural hydrogen peroxide production in the body. And when we put high-dose vitamin C in the body, especially over a period of time, we increase the hydrogen peroxide. Well, hydrogen peroxide is actually deadly to cancer cells, but it doesn't uh, generally harm healthy cells. So, yeah. you know, this is why a lot of functional medicine doctors and integrative doctors will put their patients on high-dose vitamin C drip IVs mm -hmm. because it's helping produce that natural hydrogen peroxide, which is going after and helping destroy the cancer cells without yeah. harming the healthy cells. And there's a lot of research on this. Again, back to what we said earlier. Yeah. You know, most medical doctors don't know this. So it's amazing that you had both a friend bring you this book and then uh, you said it was your stepmom, right? Yeah. They brought you the yeah. book on vitamin C. And you hadn't been asking, had you been asking anybody for like, help or no, solutions no so, and this this book came from a, a a distant relative that heard about me being in the hospital and so a friend of hers told her about this book she went out and bought the book you know that's kind of how things happen yep. she brought this in didn't know anything about it so i'm laying there and i'm excited now i got i'm going to do this diet this lifestyle and i'm going to do all this vitamin c because you know that's these both these these diet and that's anti-cancer, you know, I'm going to do it. So then the next morning, it's funny in three days, I got three knocks on the door that, <laughs> that really truly saved my life. I know that. And I, you know, I, I look back at it and there's nothing else that could have really. And, um, I got a knock on the door and here comes a fellow through the door I'd never seen before. And he was a, a guy that was a psychotherapist for the hospital for the cancer ward. And uh, the whole floor was cancer people. And he came through the door and he says, look, I'm so-and-so. And he says, I would love to come talk to you. I hear you've been depressed and down and out. And, and uh, you know, I would love to talk to you. Can I come back tomorrow and talk to you? And we could sit down and have a little talk. And I said, sure. Well, at that point, I knew what I was going to ask him. But I was so excited now to think about the, the possibilities going forward with the new found uh, treasures. So he comes through the door the next day. And as soon as he walks through that hospital door, the day was keep those doors cracked open, you know, about halfway or, or a third or fourth of the way. I don't know. But anyway, you can see people and hear people going down the halls and stuff. So he comes through the door. He goes, knock, 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 comes through the door. And I see him, he starts, you know, uh, moving a little bit towards my hospital bed. And I said, listen, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever heard of something called macrobiotics? And he just turned around. He says, uh, hold on. And he walks out. I thought he's leaving. He turned around and went out in the hall. I thought, I guess I said the wrong thing. You know, he don't want any part of me. So he goes out the door. He looks down the hall and or something, and then he comes in, and he shuts the door tightly. He says, yes, I have heard about macrobiotics, but I won't tell you what I know unless you promised not to tell anybody of our conversation. I don't <laughs> want to lose my job. I don't want to lose my pension. I've been here 25 years or something like that. That's crazy. I don't want to lose this. He says, but he says, I want to share with you if you'll promise that you won't let anybody know we had this talk. I said, I won't tell anybody. You know, I'm telling them today all the time, but, you know, I don't even know if the guy's still alive. But the thing is, he he came in, he sat down, and he says, yeah, I know a lot about this. He said, I've heard a lot of great things. A lot of people have done very well on this diet and lifestyle. 
He says, I know few people that have recovered, you know, with this this particular uh, diet. He said, it takes a lot of work, though. You've got to roll up your sleeves. you got to do a lot of cooking. And he says, to me, there's a right way to do it and a wrong way. He said, it's not just going down to the, the health food store and getting, you know, uh, brown rice and beans. He said, it's a lot more to it than that. Well, I didn't even know what he was talking about at that point because I was just learning about it. He goes, he comes in and he says to me, though, he says, I think uh, you might be the kind of guy that can do it because, by the way, you don't seem too depressed and you don't seem, you know, like like I thought you were going to be. He says, you seem like you're a little excited about something. And he says, you know, I tell you, I tried this macrobiotic diet for a while myself, but he said, you know, I couldn't stick with it because it takes so much time and effort. And he said, but you seem like you're determined. And a young man, he says, I I think this could work for you. But remember, you got to do it the right way. Can't cut any corners. He kept telling me that two or three times. And I remember that to the day. And he says, when he left, he says, uh, you know, uh, whatever you decide to do, I know you're going to make the right decision. You know, he was like that. He's a very nice man. He left. And I knew now this is, I mean, there's no way you could, you couldn't make me not do this. This guy's doing this in secretive fashion here, telling me all this. He comes through the door and all this, like he's doing is shutting the door and all that. And I said, this, this is what I've got to do. So I thought I'll do everything. I'll do the chemotherapy. I'll do the, the macrobiotic diet. I'll do the vitamin C therapy. And uh, if it doesn't work for me, it won't work for anybody. Because if a little's good, a lot's better. That's how I was. I was, you know, uh, that kind of guy, really, at heart. I just got off track with all this depression and fear. And now, now I'm getting back to my old self. So I knew that if, if uh, I did that, I could, you know, I could beat the cancer. But I started after I got that few weeks out of out of the way for the recovery from the surgery. <clears throat> I started to do the chemotherapy treatments, and the chemotherapy doctor comes in. He says, "Well, I want to tell you this is rough stuff, and you know your body's either going to respond or it's not going to respond, and we hope you respond." He said, "That's the hope here that that your body responds." So they started giving me the chemotherapy and they elevated my temperature and they put these weighted blankets on you because, I mean, you're really just, you're freezing to death. And uh, I was so sick and so weak from that after recovering the surgery, but I made it through it that five days. Then they make you stay a couple of days for recovery from that. And then I went home. Somehow I made it through the first five five treatments. So I went home and I was very weak. Uh, the chemotherapy just drained me, and I was very weak. I went home uh, to my stepmother's house. I was living in Dallas, but I went to her house because I couldn't really do a lot. So I went there, and she went out and got me some brown rice and beans, and 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 I started trying to do a little bit of the diet. And uh, anyway, I I started on it, but I didn't start the vitamin C yet. But I was trying, you know, to learn and read and get get more books and whatever we could find because you couldn't order them on Amazon and places like that back then. So you'd be lucky if you could find some of those books. But I got every macrobiotic book I could get, every cookbook I could find, 
uh, I sent my mother to uh, health food stores in several towns, you know, to find the books. And macrobiotics was a lot bigger back then than you don't hear about it as much now. But the thing is, is I was starting to get into it. And then eventually I had enough strength to go back to Dallas. But by by now, it was uh, uh, almost two months and I had to go back and do more chemotherapy. So I decided to go back and get that next batch of chemotherapy. And of course, you know, I'm going to do it all. So I go back in there and they must have doubled it or tripled it because I never felt so sick and weak in my life. Mm. And it was just like I couldn't keep anything in my stomach. I was, you know, just weak. I couldn't eat. And after about the fourth treatment, I guess, I was just lethargic. I was laying there and I remember one day I was laying there and a nurse came in and says, who's been watching this this man's uh, temperature? And she was hollering at one of the nurses. And I was just like, you know, felt like I was about dead. So I'm laying there and she came through and saying that she says, this man could die. This is way too high. Get it down. Get some get some ice ice packs and all this stuff. Get it down. His temperature is too high. So I thought to myself, boy, they're going to kill me in here if I don't get out of here. Because every night I would hear somebody roll down the hallway, you know, a lot of commotion. And I would ask the nuns, there was nuns in this hospital that would come around to visit. And they would say to me, well, you know, so-and-so passed away last night. Hmm. And I'd say, really? I just talked to her like a, a few days ago. Wow. And she would say, well, she has cancer. So I really found out then that what killed these people was pneumonia or kidney yep. failure. Yep. Yep. So here in I'm fact, there that's thinking. The, I mean, that's the number one. I mean, Heart heart disease and other um, other factors are actually yeah. the things that kill most cancer yeah. patients. It's not the cancer. It's you know that's what I discovered when my grandfather uh, was diagnosed with leukemia. This is what led me into cancer research and down this path that I've mm -hmm. been on for just over a decade now. Was uh, when I went to visit him. You know, he went from a fairly active man to somebody just like you're explaining. I mean, after the treatments, yeah. sitting at home can't get out of the couch, so sick and so much pain. Right. And he just, it basically, the treatments took away. I truly believe the treatments killed him. You know, would the cancer eventually have killed him? Probably if he, mm -hmm. if he didn't learn all the things that you learned along the way and make the changes. Yeah. Um, but that's what led me down this path was I, I quickly realized, look, these treatments are killing him and they did. And, yeah. uh, and it was, it was so sad to see. Um, and so, I mean, well, it's, they don't uh, want to admit know. it and they don't and they always blame it on the cancer, but it's generally not the cancer that kills you. It's the pneumonia right. or the other infection you get because the treatments inhibit your yeah. immune system. Immune system. And you get a lot of germs in the hospitals and there's people, you know, and you know, these nurses coming in and out, you know, being exposed to things and, you know, you're getting you're getting exposed. And so I'm laying there, you know, and I'm I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to be next. I feel so weak. And so the doctor comes in. Here comes the doctor, the, the the main doctor, the doctor that actually removed my mold the first time. He was the surgeon. He came in. He says, well, I hear you're not doing well, you know, with the with the treatments. And I said, no, sir, I'm not. He says, well, he says, uh, that's not what we hoped for. We had hoped that your body would would not reject it like it is. It's 
it's not your body's not not doing well with it and it's either you do well or you don't he says and we don't know what else to do and i'm saying to him i said look you know people are dying every night and i don't want to be the next one i said and there's something else i can do what about vitamin c what about diets he goes oh there's nothing to all that it doesn't matter that doesn't make a difference and he says you know this is all i know to do and i said what if what if i was your son or daughter i don't know if he had kids or not he said i'd do the same thing i said you'd do the same thing even if it even if they it would kill them he goes yeah he said that's all i know to do hmm. and i said well doctor i don't want to die in here from this stuff you know he goes well listen he says we're all going to die someday he says that to me you know, in a nice way. Well, it made me so mad, Nathan. I I raised up in the bed. Here I was down to, I don't know how much weight I'd lost. You lose a lot of weight doing all this stuff because yeah. you can't eat and you're throwing up. And so I raised up in the bed and I said, look, if I had the energy, I would get out of this bed and I'd tear you apart, you <laughs> SOB. I, I said that to him. And that guy looked at me like he had seen a ghost. And I mean, he, he just turned around, walked out the door. And you I don't know blame what? you. I probably would have done the same damn thing. I mean, I, I did. And and I I made up my mind right then that, you know, the not that night, but the next night I was going to sneak out of the hospital at two in the morning. <laughs> and I was not, you know, because two in the morning, I just something in me says two in the morning. Nobody. It's not much going on at two in the morning, hopefully. And so I had a uh, I just knew that I had to get out of there and and I was not going to look back and I was just going to go all macrobiotic all natural from that point on because if I wasn't responding and the doctor already told me if I didn't do the chemo I wasn't going to live very long so here I am not responding so what am I going to do just keep coming in here and getting weaker and weaker and weaker you know so so here I am thinking that that I'm just getting out of here so I had a friend come in to see me. He's, I told him, I'm leaving tomorrow night. And he said, what do you mean? They're letting you out? I said, no, I'm sneaking out because I don't want to. Don't, they, don't they don't like you to leave either. Like no. they will try mm -hmm. to keep you there. I mean, I've, I've because seen. I had, I had three or four more days I had to stay there because I yeah. had to recover and all that. And I'm saying, you know, if I try to just leave and not come back, it's going to be easier if I just get up and leave. So my friend says, well, you know, you can't do that. And I said, oh, I'm going to do it. And uh, he said, I said, look, let's go down the street. I'm very weak, but I'm starving to death and I'm sick and I have no energy. Let's go down the street. There's a barbecue place on the next block. <laughs> this is true. And I, I put on my clothes and I was he, he went with me and we I had some barbecue. I couldn't eat much. I was sick, but I just felt like meat. I mean, that's just what I felt like. And I said, I am not the hospital food. I couldn't even get it down. And I said to him, we were talking over there, and I said, this is my last meat probably for the rest of my life. <laughs> that's how I felt at the time. Yeah. I said, I am changing. I am not going to ever eat. But I said, I just felt like I needed some extra energy here. <laughs> and I, I mean, I probably threw up again when I got back. But anyway, I got back to the hospital the next day. Uh, they... I, I did one more chemotherapy treatment I'm like an idiot, but I did it because I had one more left before I had to recover. And I just went ahead and did it. And 
and somehow I made it out of it. And that night at two in the morning, I put on my jeans and and I had a vehicle parked down in the parking lot all this time. And I get, went down there and I snuck down the hallway. I kept looking, you know, back and forth to see if there's any nurses at the nurses station down the hall. I didn't see anybody down there. And I snuck kind of along the edge of the wall and down to the exit and snuck down the down the stairs, probably four flights of stairs and, you know, hanging on to the rail because I was weak and got outside, went to the parking lot and paid my my uh, fee to get out of there and got out of there and went home and threw up twice on the way to my mother's house on the highway on the interstate because I was sick, you know, and just so. Anyway, and I said, then I'm never going back and I'm going to, I told my stepmother and woke her up when I came in, you know, at, at, you know, three 30 in the morning or four o'clock or whatever it was. And, uh, you know, those people like that, they always get up early anyway. So she was ready to get up, but, uh, they're living out on a farm. And I said, I'm never going back to that hospital. And she says, well, you do what you need to do. I, I support you. Mm. And I said, I'm going to dig in. And so I dug in from that point on and I never looked back and I started that vitamin C. And to this day, I take huge amounts of vitamin C half of all these years. And I do a lot of things, but, uh, you know, it just, it believing, believing starts to happen. You start to believe. And that to me, I think is at least 50% is believing and having a positive outlook, uh, hope is huge and and that's kind of where i started and after about three months on the macrobiotic diet because i started to do it not perfect but really dug in and i didn't have any energy and i still did it i just said i'm not going to go back i have i can't die i'm gonna you know i weighed 120 pounds and i went from 175 to 120 and uh you know i mean it's just weak and no energy so but but it took me a while to gain my weight back because, you know, it took a couple of years to start gaining weight back to where I was 145. I got up to 130 or something. But, you know, you just, you know, you're trying to, you know, detox your body and get rid of all these toxins. And now you got all this chemotherapy in you, too. So I ended up doing 10, 10 chemotherapy treatments out of 80. And I've heard people say, well, chemotherapy is what did it, you know, like, you know, doctors. You know, like they said, that's why you're still around because of the chemotherapy. But whether it is or not, I, I don't, I never, nobody knows because I never went back to those guys and I didn't want them fooling with me more. And I go to, you know, natural doctors and, and doctors that think the way I do. And and a lot of them are MDs. And, you know, when I need to see somebody, I, I have great, you know, do functional medicine and all that. But, and, but, uh, there's so much people can do and, you know, and, and uh, just, just, you got to get on the right path, you know, because when this kicks in, I think the healing really starts. Talk about the macrobiotic diet for, for a little bit. There's, there's different versions of it, but it's pretty, there's a pretty base foundation of it. It's mostly vegetarian, right? It's cutting out most meat, most meat and dairy. It's cutting out, you know, processed foods, processed flours, processed sugars, things like that. It's a lot of grains and beans and vegetables. And talk about what, what you did with the macrobiotic diet. Well, I started off, I started off and I was, you know, reading all the books by now. I'd read, read these, you know, all the, um, the books and um 
and I had a good idea what I needed to do. Now, I wasn't a cook, but, you know, I learned and I uh, learned to, you know, like my cooking. And I moved back, went up back to Dallas and, and had an apartment, lived alone, started to cook. Well, I had an electric stove and they always recommend use a gas stove. Well, I didn't have a gas stove in this particular apartment. So I went and bought me a Coleman camp stove, you know, one of those uh, two burner stoves, started yep. cooking everything on that. And I put it on the counter next to the other stove. And that's what I did. And I cooked in the, in there for pretty much that whole year on that. And on that, well, eventually I moved when my lease was up, I moved to another apartment with a gas stove, but I cooked on that. And I, I started to learn that whole grains were very important for me at the time because of the detoxification process, because of all the fiber, you know, fiber is a prebiotic, which supports and promotes good, good, healthy uh, gut flora. And, and that's 70 to 80 percent probably of your immunity, you know, the gut health. And and you start to really detoxify like you never can imagine eating, you know, whole grains. And, and originally the diet was kind of like Micho Kushi was the kind of the 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 head macrobiotic guru i guess you want to say in this country at the time and his his model was kind of like you took a pie and you said 50 percent whole grains this is in a day's time 50 percent whole grains 25 percent or so of vegetables and most of these were cruciferous vegetables which are the best kind of anti-cancer fighting cancer fighting vegetables that that you know, I mean, I never ate so many vegetables in my life as I did on that diet. And they were cooked, some lightly cooked, some cooked a little longer, but but very nutritious and organic, of course. Yep. And uh, the grains were all organic. We used to haul our own rice, had a rice hauling machine. That way you get you get the rice is a lot healthier, got more energy in it. Uh, what nowadays you want to do if you if you're on a macrobiotic diet or a whole grain type diet at all, you want to soak your grains because there's a lot of you know phytic acid in the, in the grains that help to uh, destroy your mineral absorption, and they've also there's a lot of uh, cadmium and arsenic in grains. So people go, well, I I'm not eating that, but a lot of the grains too are coming from China. In places like that, I don't eat anything from China and that I know of, hopefully. And I try to eat everything that's grown, you know, in the in the healthiest environment. But you still get a lot of this in them. So you need to soak those grains for at least eight hours. And then you got you have to, you know, almost like take a cheesecloth or, a, you know, some kind of a cloth that pour it, pour it out and then sift that out. And then and then you soak it a little bit longer and then rinse it again, that gets rid of most of it. And that's what people are doing nowadays because I've interviewed some of the top macrobiotic yep. experts. Gets rid, of the lectin, gets rid of most of the lectins, gets rid of most yeah. of the acid, gets rid of most of, you know, yeah. chemicals, anything like yeah. that on the rice. And, and yeah, and, and same thing, if you cook your grains and cook your beans fully, that's another really important right. thing. It's going to basically eliminate a lot of that as well, eliminate yeah. a lot of the lectins. People, you know, there's a lot of these yeah. doctors now today who are on this carnivore kick 
And whether yeah. carnivore is something you could sustain long-term or not, we really don't know. We don't have long-term evidence. I, I'm not sure it's, and I really don't think it's a longevity diet. People, I think right. people are seeing benefits on it for a number of reasons. One, they're getting out some of the culprits in their diet that were causing gut issues, maybe GMO corn, maybe you know some grains that were causing some issues for them or something. They get one or two of those culprits out and they feel better and then they give all the credit to the you know carnivore diet or yeah. whatever. But a lot of these doctors are putting out, honestly, it's misinformation saying grains are bad for you and beans are bad for you and plants are bad for you. All the evidence we have for decades and decades shows the more whole grains, whole beans, whole vegetables and fruits you have in the diet, the longer you live with less disease yeah. from, yeah. you know, ever and, and from literally thousands and thousands and I mean, probably millions of uh, case studies at this point as well of people who switch to either a macrobiotic diet or a whole food plant based diet or a, you know, reducing. Yeah you know, uh, animal products from the diet and eating more fresh foods that yeah. their health improves. Cancers go away. Diabetes goes away, you know, weight. Sure. Weight it improves. So it's not, you know, I don't care what people eat. That's, that's up to them. It's, but to come out and yeah. say, these things are going to leach out all of your minerals and, and have all of these anti-nutrients that are going to harm you. It's total BS because yeah. there's no study that shows that any person who eats you know, a whole food plant-based diet or macrobiotic diet, they're mineral deficient or vitamin deficient. It doesn't exist because you get enough vitamins and minerals from these foods in most cases yeah. um, where even if it does pull some calcium out or something like that, you have enough going in from yeah. the foods that you're eating. The people who have the problems are the ones who often are not getting enough diversity in their food. They're not getting enough of the whole grains or whole beans or vegetables and things like that. They're having some more processed foods, mm -hmm. packaged foods in their diet. And yes, we do have the concern of soils, you know, especially if yeah. you're buying conventional food that uh, or food that is, um, you know, rototilled every year and there's no cover crops and, and not organic you're buying conventional food and these foods are lacking the nutrients that they had a hundred years ago. We know sure. that's, that's yeah. a problem, but that's why you said, you know, also buying from local organic farms, going to your farmer's right. market, talking with them, saying, Hey, do you guys use pesticides? Do you till your soil or do you rotate and cover crop? You want them to rotate and cover crop because then you're putting the nutrients back in the soil. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's just a lot of BS information out there. I think people need it to is. be aware of. But it is, you know, it's like it's like, you know, the beans, like you said, need to be soaked. And and we've done that for years, you know, to, to soak the beans. But but people weren't soaking the, the grains. And and, you know, the, the and I've heard I've interviewed people that said, well, if you eat grains, you know, that you know, you, you'll have blood sugar issues and all this stuff. I, I've never seen anybody, I mean, diabetics, you know, get better on the macrobiotic diet. 100%. And I mean, now, macrobiotic diet is this guy was telling me in the hospital, you got to do it the right way. You don't go get cereal grains, you know, from the health food store or from the grocery store that are cracked and powdered and everything else. I mean, that's not it. The diet is whole grains, 50%. Maybe 30%, maybe 20 It depends on each individual. And like you said, the one diet doesn't fit everyone. And and I learned that. But at the time, I didn't know. But what his whole example was, was 50% grains, 25% uh, vegetables, 15% 
beans for the protein. You need the protein. Now, it's the smaller beans like a dookie beans, uh, lentil beans, uh, chickpeas. Those were the staples and occasionally some of the Sardines, larger beans. Yeah. yeah, some of that. But the thing is, is most of it was uh, those three or four types of beans. And, and you know, you know, we had soups. So so we had we had soups every day. We had miso soup. We had uh, every day. That was a staple. But miso soup can't be overheated. And it's got to be a good quality miso. And, you know, there's there's you can buy it at the store. but There's not a lot of good quality miso out there. So the thing is, is that that really increases your gut forward. Now, we're all talking about immunity here. And then you've got your seaweed, your sea vegetables. And your sea vegetables are very important because you get the iodine that most people are deficient in, in iodine. And iodine is anti-cancer. That's why there's so much breast cancer and prostate cancer because of deficiencies in iodine. I think I think uh, some of the form debt people are deficient in iodine. So you're getting plenty of iodine in this. You know, it's not just kelp. You're you're talking several different types of. It's it's in the kelp family, but you're talking about you know, kombu and wakame and and uh, hijiki's a little high and and uh, and uh, heavy metals and we I sort of got away from that hijiki, but uh, but uh, amaranth, uh, uh, arami and uh, wakame and is really good and I use the wakame when I make a miso soup or and other soups you know, instead of salt, but we use a good quality salt, but also, uh, you know, the sea vegetables are very high and they give you the minerals because people say, well, if you eat, you know, a lot of grain, like you said, you're, it's going to affect your mineral absorption. It does some, but if you eat the seaweed, you're going to get a lot of minerals out of that. So, so that, that was very important. So it's, you know, it's, it's. Plus you get people who are worried about a more of a plant-based diet, you know, one of the concerns is vitamin B12 and nori and some other seaweeds are pretty high in B12. The other thing that people need to realize about B12 specifically is our body can store anywhere from three to five years worth of B12. Uh, I think it's stored in the liver. And so, you know, there's this idea that, oh, you're on a a macrobiotic diet or a plant-based diet or whatever, you're not getting B12 from, from beef or meat. It's just not true. You can get it. There are mushrooms that have B12. There are seaweeds that have B12. Um, there, there are plant-based sources of B12. And we're not necessarily in need of B12 coming from our food every single day. Yeah. It's just no. we're not in need of it. I mean, once your stores are filled up, you literally – now, some people can't – yes, you can become B12 deficient, and you should test and find yeah. out. But a lot of people have – uh, uh, my wife actually, you know, she's been on a, on a whole food plant-based diet, vegan diet for over a decade. She doesn't take B12 supplements and we tested her B12 recently. And it was through the, through the charts, like her B12 was way over, um, a normal amount. So I don't even know where her excess B12 is coming yeah. from or her body's, yeah. you know, storing large amounts of it, but people's bodies are different. Right. But point being is it's not all about, Oh, you can't get B12 from plants. Yes, you can. And you don't need it necessarily every single day in your food. Your body can store it for years before it before it can become a problem. Yeah, and, but, but the seaweeds that- too. I wanted to mention there, like you know, this Japanese philosopher who kind of came up with this. You know, this this diet stems from a traditional Japanese culture. 
right? Yes. There's a lot of organic, locally grown, fresh vegetables in the diet, seaweed, yeah. fermented vegetables, which is huge for the gut microflora, right? Um, you know, the yeah, grains, very, rice is a big staple. Yeah. Um, and uh, very so little soybean. Yep. Yeah, very little fruit. And people that eat too much fruit with cancer can get into trouble sure. because there's sugar in fruit. I know people go, well, there's the phytonutrients and all that, but yeah. you know, berries, berries are better, like blueberries and and raspberries and and strawberries. But if they're organic, those are better. But a lot of people get into the eating tropical fruits and everything else. But macrobiotics is really designed. It was started by George Osawa, which which basically was kind of a number seven diet. Originally, it was miso soup and brown rice, which is way too strict. And I've known people that tried to do that, and they, they're not here to talk about it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just not enough nutrients. And But, you know, when you start getting cruciferous and alien vegetables like the onions and the, the uh, scallions and 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 uh, leeks you know those are very anti-cancer also and the macrobiotic they eat some seeds and and nuts not a whole lot but they it's a very good diet but i mean you've never had if you do it right you have so many vegetables that when i go to a farmer's market and i see all these vegetables out there stacked up these beautiful organic vegetables yesterday i walked downtown and there was they had a, one going on and I'm like, wow, it reminds me of the macrobiotic diet, you know, the display of all these vegetables, which, you know, I don't sometimes feel like I get enough vegetables at times because I don't eat a strict macrobiotic diet anymore, but I believe in the principles. And I think for someone starting out with cancer, it's a good place to start and understanding that that you can make adjustments. The key factor is it is for most people is uh, they have to keep, you know, the the uh, sugar down low and they've got to get enough protein, good healthy protein to keep their energy up and keep the carbs down, you know, as far as going out and getting these, uh, you know, uh, yeah, processed, that, carbs. processed foods, carbs, yeah. and and people sometimes think- Because oh, it's I a high carb diet. It's a, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a, it's really Different. high carb- uh, and it's, it's, uh, low fat, it's high carb, low fat, low protein. And, but it's all healthy carbs mm -hmm. and healthy proteins and healthy fats, it's, right? It's different. Yeah, it's different. And how long were you on the macrobiotic diet? Like pretty strict uh, for, uh, about six years. And did you, did you do it like uh vegan or did you have some fish in there? Sometimes I they had fish. fish once a week. I had fish and I had, uh, usually fish soup like some kind of a, you know, soup, but it was usually white meat fish and it was like vegetables and sea vegetables in there. And, you know, and it maybe even sometimes had a little miso in there and the uh, fish was, you know, small amounts, but yeah, we had that. And they had, a, uh, I mean, some people ate it more, but I only ate it once a week and that was on Fridays. I guess it was because some people were Catholic and they didn't eat fish and, and I what mean, was they, your, they didn't what, eat meat, so it was, you know, fish day. Yeah, and what's your diet like now? Well, my diet now is more like kind of uh, – I try I try very hard to keep, keep it down to about 45 carbs a day and, uh, you know, keep the carbs down. And I eat some, some whole grains, but I'm not really eating a lot of grain. I'm eating 
some uh, lean protein, animal protein. I'm eating uh, lots of vegetables, uh, no bread. I don't eat flour products. I mean, maybe occasionally, but that's that's like very occasionally. And I eat nuts and seeds, and I eat uh, nut flours, you know, if we're going to make something. But try to keep the carbs down. I follow a diet that's it's an anti-yeast, anti-fungal diet, basically. So you're closer to kind of a keto version of a diet a, now. So a little pre- bit of keto. I'd say paleo more. More paleo. A little more paleo. Now, I do eat some. The reason I eat meat occasionally is because, well, I eat it, you know, but not every day. But, you know, I I started to learn from people that are out there talking, you know, cancer doctors that have been around a long time, like for certain, certain, uh, uh, doctors out there, like, uh, that talk about how some cancers need meat, especially the, the, uh, the immune type cancers like lymphoma, like melanoma, melanoma is kind of in between, so it can get, but, you know, and uh, myelomas, uh, things like that, uh, leukemia, things like that, they do better with sometimes with a little meat more than some diets, like prostate cancer, breast cancer, things like that tend to do better without a lot of that. And especially got to keep the sugar low because most people are eating too much sugar in their, in their diet and too many carbs. And, but, but there's different ones, but I kind of like the philosophy of, of uh, uh, Nicholas Gonzalez program that he had. I like that a lot. I've seen a lot of people that did very well, uh, but not saying it's, it's going to work for everyone. It takes a lot because, you know, all the enzymes and everything that people have to take and everything. But uh, my original, one of my original teachers that Dr. Hazel Parcells that passed away at 106 uh, she was one of my teachers and kind of taught me. She's the one that got me to eating a little bit more protein and, and widening out a little bit because she told me after I met her, I was too thin. I wasn't gaining the weight I probably needed to gain. And she told me I needed to, you know, change my diet a little bit. But and I, I looked at her and here she was over 100. And I said, you know, she's doing something right because she wasn't in a wheelchair she wasn't in a walker she was sharper than a 30 year old you know and she was unbelievable but um i thought at that point you know i need to take her word for it because she had worked with a a a doctor william donald kelly back uh you've heard of him probably and he was the doctor that uh was kind of responsible for the the nicholas gonzalez work and Nicholas Gonzalez, you know, had a great track record, especially with pancreatic cancer. But, yeah, uh, and the pancreatic enzymes, like yeah. high dose pancreatic enzymes. Yep, is a big and, part of uh, that. Supplements are a big part of that. Yep. Yeah, and there's a doctor that uh, Dr. Linda Isaacs that that is, uh, you know, kind of taking up, up a lot of his work. She worked with him for 25 years, so. She kind of follows, but some some people need a little more, and just like with keto, I mean, some people need the fat, and some do better without a lot of fat. But yeah, uh, I mean, my my philosophy on that, and and all the science I've reviewed over the past decade plus is like there, the body is meant to adapt to yeah. different 
exposures of different foods as well as macro nutrients in the body. And and mm-hmm. we certainly need certain micronutrients ongoing, right? Like yep, you can't survive yep. for very long without vitamin C. You can't survive for very long without vitamin D. There's certain vitamins and minerals, you know, magnesium, potassium, electrolytes, you pretty much need on a pretty regular basis if you're going to have any energy and health at all, right? And those, right, that's right. most of those things are, you know, vitamin D, we, we synthesize from the sun primarily, uh, but lot, most of those vitamins and minerals we get from our food. Now, there are some things we can go longer without. Like I said, B12 is one of them. There are other, you know, and but there are certain foods that we absolutely need. And we're also very adaptable. Like, look at our ancestors. Why? And here's why I think it's really interesting why the keto diet can work for some people uh, short term. And why most doctors who, who, and nutritionists and health experts who recommend a keto diet, when you really talk to them and interview them and, and look at their programs, which I've done a lot of, uh, and I say, look, I really don't think someone should be on a ketogenic diet for a long period of time. And here's why. Every one of them I've talked to agrees, actually. Mm-hmm. Whereas most people looking at that information, they think, oh, be on keto diet for the rest of my life. That's the best diet forever. But the reason they agree that it's, it should be short term is because you can become nutrient deficient on a ketogenic diet. Yeah. Um, and it's also, from my perspective, it's a survival diet. Like when in nature a thousand years ago would we be on a ketogenic diet? Well, if you're living near the equator, which we know human beings originated from the equator, the tropical area, yeah. you know, you have lots of natural carbohydrates around you you know, in, in, in abundance throughout multiple times of the year. But even the further you get away, the less and less access you have to these things, unless you start storing and, and, you know, storing beans and grains, which they are meant to be stored by the way, which is also interesting, but you would run out of these foods and what, what could you store the easiest and what could last the longest is the, the high fat foods and the high protein foods, the nuts and seeds, the, the meats and dairies and things like that. You could store those quite easily. And you can eat them and your body switches to uh, ketosis as a survival mechanism. We can go without food for quite a while, 30 yeah. plus days. And yeah. what happens when you fast, you go into ketosis and your body says, hey, we got some extra fat from this abundant summer we had. And now we can start using that fat as fuel. We store that fat as a survival mechanism because we may need fuel when we famine. And human beings have gone through feast and famine for as long as human beings have been on the planet until now, until recently with grocery stores and next day shipping where we can get food from all over the world, you know, next day delivery, right? This is the only time in human history over these past however many years, 70, 100 plus years where we didn't, as most people, um, you know, uh, poor, you know, uh, unfortunately, um, poor uh, poverty-stricken areas and nations and people are still struggling with, you know, famine mm-hmm. every single day. But the average person in a in a more civilized or modern country that has some sense of of wealth at all, they don't experience famine ever. And in fact, we have the largest rates of obesity, largest rates of diseases in these modern developed countries yeah. because we have access to all this food. So those kinds of diets are are great to to potentially um, uh, utilize in short periods of time because yes, it can starve cancer. Yes, it can help with weight loss. Yes, it can, you know, help uh, reduce certain um, diabetes markers, but 
the biggest question I've always had is, are they sustainable? And can you say sustain that for 20, 30, 40 years yeah. and not end up with another cancer diagnosis and not end up with diabetes and heart disease and neurological yeah. disease? And we know a lot of those diets, you can't sustain that long. And we know a lot of them are going to lead to these diseases. They're high in saturated fat. Uh, they do lead to, you know, I, I have friends who are athletes who lost 100 plus pounds on the ketogenic diet, changed their life. They also do exercise every day. But after, you know, a couple of years of that, they lost all their energy. They didn't have the energy anymore. And they yeah. realized like they got to a point where it's like, hey, I don't have any more energy have from this. So they switched to a more of a higher healthy carbohydrate uh, diet and, you know, still with, you know, moderate protein yeah, and you, fats. you need it. Their whole energy came back, yeah. right? So it's not, those things are not meant to be, I don't believe they're meant to be on long term. You know, it's like if, if you, it, you know, the diet that heals you sometimes is not the diet for life. And people have to understand that, that some of these people like on a macrobiotic diet, for example, it's a great diet. And it's, it just makes sense for a lot of people, but, you know, just like a vegan diet makes sense for a lot of people. And, you know, it, it's on, on many levels, but, but a lot of times, I mean, some people do very well, but after a while, people start to, you know, not have the energy. Sometimes it depends on what they're doing. And, and that's why I like a little lean protein and, and, you know, kind of seeds and nuts. And I try to keep away from the high yeast foods and foods that are fermented, you know, healthy fermented is good, but, you know, get away from, stay away from pasteurized things and, and, uh, you know, just, you know, kind of like there's a diet that I kind of really think is great for people. It's, there was a diet that, that uh, Dr. Lee Cowden uh, used for anti-yeast and fungus and, you know, diet, anti uh, uh, fungal diet and you know cancer is uh, thought of as for for many of these experts as as a large part of being you know a fungus and it's sugar and it's like if you look at somebody's blood under a microscope that has cancer i mean if you a certain microscopes you can see a lot of fungal and yeast and candida your immune system is exhausted can't do its work and just like you know, intestinal parasites, you know, one of the most immunosuppressive things you can have in your body. And the reason I brought that up is because that the diet, Dr. Cowden's diet has, I went on that one time and I wanted to lose a little weight and I lost 12 pounds and I was on it for two months because he said, if you go on a diet for two months, it basically kills off the yeast and the fungus in your system on that diet, which it really does. You do feel better. You lose a little weight, but you know, it's a, like a cleanse almost. So that would be a great diet in my view uh, is for me, if I had to do it over again, to probably start out on a diet similar to that. It's, it's, you're not eating a lot of red meat or anything. You're eating some lean protein, but you're, you're eating beans and, you know, you're eating uh, uh, not, not, you're not eating a lot of grains, but you're eating a lot of healthy food and you're not eating dairy food. You're not, you know, and you're, and you're, you're, you know, and I take a lot of supplements, so that that helps a lot. I'm a big believer in the supplements because I think there's a lot of anti-cancer supplements and and immunos, uh, I mean, immune support supplements, and and just just having the energy, you know, like people that just eat these strict diets sometimes they don't take any 
anything with it sometimes run out of juice a little bit. If and you know, and there's the pH factor. The pH is a very important thing that I learned from my teacher, the one I was talking about. That you know, I asked her one day. I said, "What are the most important things that you have learned? You know that that have supported your longevity?" Because I'd never seen anybody so sharp and so healthy looking for an older person. And she said to me, she said, it's the pH is on a cell level. It's all ends up on the cell level because your cellular, you know, your your body fluids and everything you eat basically turns to uh, turns into cell energy, electromagnetic cell energy. But she says when your pH is balanced on that level, and then also she said that when your endocrine system is balanced properly and energized properly, then the body doesn't think, I mean, this is what she said. I'm not saying I believe it hundred percent, but I think it's probably not far from the truth, but your body kind of thinks it's a lot younger than it is, you know, because when people get older, their, their endocrine system gets weak. Their immune system gets a little weaker and their toxins have built up over the years. Uh, no wonder there's so much cancer, especially with older people. And uh, I mean, you know, one out of nearly one out of one of us is going to have cancer in a few years. So, you know, some kind of cancer. But it's like the, the whole thing is, is that you, you got to, you know, get to the, the root of the problems and get get to the bottom of everything. And, you know, a lot of it starts, according to her. And I believe that, too, is getting getting out the, the parasites, getting the yeast and fungus out and, and also getting the, the bad dental fillings out that's a big thing right there as you know yeah. you know all this and uh and and a diet needs to be clean low on low low on uh sugar and uh very you know and and supporting your your energy overall energy and lots of vegetables the more vegetables you can get whether they're cooked or raw are important because uh you know not overly cooked but you know i think it's a balance to get a little bit of everything but in the wintertime, I think cooked foods are better. That's what the macrobiotic philosophy was. Cooked foods keep your body from, you know, warmer. You know, you know, when in the winter, if you're eating a lot of raw salads, you get too cool. So your body's got to work harder to stay warm because it's cooling these foods. The summer, you eat more of that because you want to cool down. And uh, the body needs needs its energy when, you, when you're trying to create heat. It's got to work harder. Yeah. So let's let's take a load off of it and, you know, and then get rid of all this junk that's going on in your system. Absolutely. You know, I I want to go back to something you said early on where you you were praying to God. It's so powerful. I want I mean, I don't want us to. to oh, I've been, it's been in the back of my mind this whole time. It's like I wanted to come back to that, because if someone hears that part of your story and doesn't believe there's a higher power or, or yeah. God, it's, you know, it's so hard not to, because one, you know, I think many of us have had some kind of similar experience, not, not the exact mm -hmm. same, but similar where it's like, there's definitely some kind of higher power, God, whatever you want to call it, right? Whatever you believe. Sure, there's gotta definitely be something. Some, so many of us have had similar awakenings and experiences but i want to go back to that because there's some there's some underlying essences that i uh or commonalities in in your story as in some of my own and others who i've talked to where 
you were you were praying to God, but you weren't just sitting there asking. You weren't just yeah. like, yeah, God, please help me this. It's like you said you felt it with your whole body, your whole being. You were in this place of just pure, you know, receivership. Please help me, right? It's like, I need your help. I want to live. I want to beat this. And you were you were praying for that help and and you were feeling that prayer with your whole body, you said. Yeah. And I yeah. want people to realize like if you are praying or meditating or visualizing, and that's you know, you really want something in your life for the better, that's what it requires. It requires feeling it with your whole yes. body, with your whole being, and putting your full self into it. Yeah. And the amazing thing of how literally right after you did that, you felt at peace and you said mm -hmm. you felt like hey you're supported now you know yeah. that's that feeling of hey you've got this support god's here to support you and then three you know one one resource per day for three days you got a book on this guy who beat cancer you got another book on high dose vitamin c and we know how effective that is against cancer you know you got another book uh, another you know support the next day you went through some of the chemo and it basically destroyed you and you said hey that's it i'm going all in yeah this natural approach you know that's um as much as we give credit to the diet and to the lifestyle changes and all the things and as much credit to you for doing it and following it it's like think about how much credit is coming from that higher power or credit going towards that higher power going towards god for helping you right yeah yeah because yeah. you asked for it. And you don't believe in God or some kind of higher power. Um, it's hard for me not to. Yeah. And you, you know, it's like, feel like every cell in your body's praying and asking and, and desperate. It's, it's a desperation type prayer, but, but it, you know, you hear so many people praying and, you know, you, if you go to church, if you don't go to church, if you just hear someone praying a lot of times they're just kind of, you know, people saying, saying things, you know, and it sounds good and all that, but there's no real heart, deep heart desperation in those prayers. Now, right. I don't know. I never had, I never had a prayer like that. I, ne I wasn't a guy that prayed much, you know, I'd been to church and you hear these guys with these fancy prayers and, you know, that, that sound like they're rehearsed and everything, but you know, how, how can you explain when things start to happen? You know, it's it's a higher power. It's your your gut intuition that's connected to the higher power. It's whatever it is, you know, it's but you learn to listen to yourself more after something like this happens. And, yeah. and if it doesn't feel right, you think about it and you maybe you don't do it it's just because maybe it doesn't feel right for me and it might feel right for someone else. It's just like. But it, it was quite something, you know, and I feels like it was yesterday. But, you know, it's been 37, not 37, over 35 years ago since that happened. But, you know, it's just it's I think if people really want to find the answers, they'll find an answer. And I always tell people, no matter what kind of diet, no matter no matter what kind of, you know, system they want to follow or they want to go see a doctor if they have the money, if they don't have the money, if it's, I mean, I'm talking more natural oriented uh, direction, but it, it's like, whatever it is, you know, pray about it, meditate about it, uh, go off. I, I went off to make decisions after that. I would go, go somewhere that I thought was a special place and spend a couple of days and just, and just sort of in a, you know, a calm environment, just, 
think about things. And, you know, I was cooking my food while I was there. I would get a place, a cabin or, a, you know, one of these motels where you can cook in the, in there and hang out there for a little bit. And I'd try to make a decision. What do I need to do? And I would come up with this decision and I would go do it, you know, and I didn't want anybody to talk me into it. I had to figure it out for myself. But I guess what I always like to say to people is that you don't have to be talked into something. You'll know if you if you if you spend a little alone time and listen to your gut feeling, your intuition, whatever you want to call it, you'll make the right decision. And uh, nobody can force you to do it or talk you into do it. If that if that's the, the if someone has to talk you into doing something, then it's probably not going to be the right thing for you. It's kind of like when you go to a store and you see something that you you like and and it instantly gets your attention. That's probably something that you end up buying and you'll like it. You know, not always, but but the diet thing or the the lifestyle program or whatever you do, you know, only you can decide. And sometimes like people have to go and go off by themselves and for a while and get themselves on track. But yeah, you know, because the families are are our our support people are are maybe negative to what they're wanting to do and and uh, they want them to do conventional medicine or they want them to do this or that and it's like what do you want to do what's what's right for you and i always like to say if it'll help all these other people then there's a good chance it'll help you but you got to roll up your sleeve you got to do the work it's easy to have a plan lay it all out you know diet detox program supplementation program uh, you know, a program that maybe a lot of people deal with a lot of uh, emotional stuff. A lot of people deal with, you know, things that that in, from the past that has affected them. Maybe they had a lot of trauma in their life that's affected their immune system. You know, so you got to work on all those things, but but only you can figure out what's best for you. And you know, it's for me to tell somebody to do. I like in my book, I tell people what I do and what I would do if I had to do it over again, because, I, you know, you learn a lot like you've learned a lot in the last 10 or 15 years or whatever. And you learn a lot. And you probably when when I started, I didn't know anything. Right. But you learn and, you know, you talk to people, uh, other experts, and they tell you this is what they do and that they're getting good results with this. And and uh, but. But a lot of the tried and true things that have not new things work better or as good as ever, you know, like the vitamin C and and a lot of the other things that people do, you know, with, uh, you know, just just building up your your gut health and building up your immune system and and detoxifying, getting rid of the the real underlying problems that are affecting your immunity, like we've talked about, you know, from. And in my view, the the deep seated things that things have built up over time, the the toxins, the the glyphosates, the you know the the uh, uh, clean up your house, clean up your your environment, get get rid of you know everything that's not organic in your house, and 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 uh, start drinking healthy, clean, pure water, and sleep eight hours at night, and and you know your body has to regenerate, and you need it needs. Uh, good sleep and if you're if you're not doing that and you know if your exercise is important but sometimes people try to do too much and then especially if they're going through something and you know it only takes 30 minutes to fully activate your 
your uh, lymphatic system, which is so important just for a nice, nice walk, you know, yeah, exactly. and sometimes people are, are not, they're not that healthy and they're trying to do too much too quick right. and they burn themselves out. So you got to be careful and you got to, you know, uh, be kind to yourself and, and sleep and, and, and it helps to be around like-minded people. If you can find them, that people that, that you can, uh, you know, talk to sometimes and, and, and not be steered off. It's hard to be around people that, that, that are unconscious, I guess, you know, when it comes to health and hang out with those kind of people, you'll end up getting pulled, pulled down the wrong, the wrong uh, path. You know, it's easy. Well, James, thank you so much for sharing all that. Thanks for uh, taking the time and sharing your story. It's great, great to get to know you more and and uh, learn about you and your life. So it's really fascinating. I mean, you're you're a living inspiration for so many people. So obviously, your book is a great resource for people. And yeah. you know, I used to have cancer on your website, right? What's the best? In addition to the book, what's the best place for people to get in touch with you and the work? Well, you, you can get a hold of me at templetonwellness.com. That's my foundation, and that's my way of giving back. Uh, I interview people, I interview doctors, uh, people that have, uh, you know that I think are are uh, some of the best out there, kind of like you do, Nathan. And I also interview survivors, and uh, I also have what I want to say is I have a restaurant guide, TempletonList.com. Templeton List is a uh, list of the healthiest organic farm-to-table restaurants in America. And it's easy to 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 get on that list and follow it. Uh, it works off of Google Maps. It's it uh, works pretty well. There's restaurants in your area. Uh, they're not all perfect, but some of them are better than others, but they are the best, the ones we've found. And we continue to look for these restaurants. We've got over 5,000 restaurants on there. And it's just something that for years I traveled and I wanted to eat healthy and I wanted to uh, find the healthiest places and not have to drive an hour and a half to get to them. Yep. So, you know, these are, these are better. You still got to know what you can eat and not eat. And if you're going through cancer, I always like to say eat at home as much as possible because you can fully control what you put in your body. And, but it's good to get out sometimes and it's good to have a place to go. And I, I go to about three or four places and that's it in this town where I live, this area, because the restaurants are on my list and I know they use organic or farm to table and they use good oils and, you know, whether, whatever it is. And uh, if that's something you, you can eat and they have options for whether you're vegetarian, whether you want some, some organic chicken or turkey or whatever you want, you know, they've got it and fish. Do you have this as an app? It's not an app, but it's a it's a site. We want to do an app. We're kind of uh, tossing that around, but it it works really well though. It's I've been I'm looking well. at I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, I'm looking at Jacksonville where I live, and there's some of these restaurants I know about. Some of these I I've yeah. never heard of, so I'm going to look at them. I use an app. It's it's called Happy Cow. It's a it's a plant based app, so it's got a lot yeah. of, and it also shows. Uh, like, are they organic? Do they have this or that? Do they have, you know, meat options or this or yeah. that? It's, it's been we, a great app. Having the app, I'll tell you what, has been amazing, especially for traveling. When we travel, yeah. going through a town or a city, and it's like, we must pop up the app. It shows the location. It's got all the details. Like, it is so, so handy. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I'm just on the website 
as we're talking, looking at it now, and it uh, there's some. It's just I love Thai food, but the problem with a lot of Thai food restaurants is they use a lot of terrible ingredients. So I'll have them bring out and be like, "What are the sauces you're using?" And I'll read the backs of the sauces and stuff like that, and a lot of it's just filled with junk. And so there's a there's a Thai restaurant on here near me that I'll have to check out. Again, it's like you know some of these restaurants, uh, Thai restaurants, for example, use organic. And they're not using MSG, and some of them they do, and a lot of them have sugar. Natural sugars in coconut milk anyway. So, you know, Thai might not be the best place for people that are trying to be on a strict diet. But, but there's there's some places there. I mean, there's there's true food is pretty good. You still got to know what you can eat, and you got to ask questions. And yeah, uh, but you know, if compared to a lot of restaurants, are just good food but they're expensive restaurants but they're they're not conscious you know at all i mean they're yeah. using and again we find i mean we Process we go through them we vet the we vet these places but sometimes you know you got to ask your own questions because they they'll tell you all kinds of things so i've got a guy that lives in saint augustine florida near you that does all my uh calling and vetting and talking to the chefs and uh it's funny how uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you live close to them and <laughs> they go to Jacksonville to eat sometimes. This is a great resource. I'm going to, I I'm, you know, we're looking for good, healthy restaurants. We can yeah. eat out at once in a while. We, you know, we eat at home, you know, nine, 99% of the time, once a week, once every couple of weeks, we like to eat out at a restaurant, but sure. it's hard. It's, it's hard finding good, healthy restaurants. So it's one of the reasons we, we don't That's, eat out. But this yeah. is cool. I'm gonna check out more of these. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, thank you. Thank you for taking thank the you. time. And thank you, Nathan. Appreciate it. And uh, appreciate you. And uh, I, I love what you're doing too. Thank you so much. Take care, James. Thank you for listening to the Nathan Crane podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and share this on social media. Then head over to nathancrane.com for your free ebook. So when we're talking about, you know, what are these underlying causes and conditions of these chronic diseases, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, they all have very similar, if not identical causes. And that's the thing is when we get to the root cause of these diseases, we can not only prevent these diseases from ever happening, but empower our bodies to heal from them. In every one of our cells, we have tens and hundreds of thousands of chemical reactions that are happening every second that are cycling uh, back and forth. It's like sort of a, a yin and yang. And, you know, for me, the soul, soul's purpose is evolution. It doesn't care about comfort. It cares about evolution. Mm. And so I think so long as we are following our soul, then we will evolve. And I think what sometimes blocks us from living our purpose, from manifesting that next level of our expression, is we have not evolved. There is also a time for letting go all the expectations and relax and just breathe and be grateful for what you have achieved.